Hello and welcome back to Cena Files, the internet's number one John Cena film review program. And we are here, as you know it, to discuss the cinematic career of the Doctor of Thugonomics, that 16-time world champion, the best-selling author, the TV show host, and box office winner by a large margin this weekend. But we'll get to that next time. Sentient meme machine himself, John, Felix, Anthony, Cena. And yes, Mike just previewed something he does in this movie, because this movie doesn't know what a fourth wall that he didn't want to break is. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, it's It's been a very fun, very hot, sweaty weekend. We got to actually go to the movies together uh, and see F9 as part of A, for Cena Files, B, because we love John Cena and we love Fast and Furious, uh, or I'm a new, newly converted, of course, but... Uh, that was a lot of fun. Obviously, we're going to talk about F9 in a few weeks. I believe July 10th. Uh, tune in for that. But uh, yeah, it's been a good weekend. Played a lot of Mario Golf. We have this sweet little, <laughs> uh, for our video viewers, have this sweet little uh, Mario visor that Nintendo sent over. So thank you for that. Um, been pretty good all around. How are you, Henry? I'm doing pretty good. And yes, we kept the streak alive of seeing John Cena movies in theaters together, which means that we have to figure out how to do that for Suicide Squad, even though we could just Discord call, like, HBO Max it. But hopefully by that point, it won't be that hard either. Um, I'm doing pretty good. I um, saw Fast 9 a second time the next morning after watching Tokyo Drift because it makes Tokyo Drift a better movie. For all the Tokyo Drift haters out there, you're, you, might, you might think differently. I'm not sure. But the, the question begs to be asked. Why would you ever want to be called Twinkie? But Very like, question. I, I mean, let, enough of that. Let's just cut to John Cena's. Oh, wait, nope. I messed up. I almost F9 drove us over the hill past the Wikipedia corner. And we're going to make a pit stop. We're going to make a pit stop as F9 would in the Wikipedia section. Mike, what can you tell us about playing with fire? Well, despite this being a movie about fighting fires, there's really uh, not much of a spark to speak of here in the uh, the Wikipedia corner for Playing With Fire 2019. So this movie came out November 8th, 2019. It was a holiday release. Uh, Henry and I saw it together in theaters, as we have for a lot of these recent ones. Uh, was a box office success. Grossed $68 million worldwide with a budget of $29 million. However was not much of a critical success, got terrible reviews. It is currently sitting at a 23% on the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience loves it, sitting at a 77% with audience score. Uh, there is one review quote I want to call out that's here on Wikipedia, and that is, uh, Wendy Eyed for The Observer gave the film one star, describing the premise as beyond inept and calling it a late cont contender for the worst movie of the year. Which I think we both disagree with, and we'll get into that. Well, but... we didn't see all the movies of the year. I'm not going to yeah. claim that I... Like, I think this is actually our only, our first and only 2019 movie in the Cenophile yes. lexicon. So... I, I, I will say, yeah, I, 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 I certainly but I'm not don't gonna, think it's yeah, a bad movie. I'm not but... Gonna, but the thing is, I don't think this person saw all the other movies that we've seen for Cenophiles. If that person yeah. had seen the context of the cinematic <laughs> oeuvre. This person has not seen the Marine. I'll, I'll just say that. This person or, does or, not know a legendary from a reunion, okay? Like, yeah. I don't... I have questions. But it is, it is significant just it, just looking at the critical response because I feel like he had these back-to-back -back hits with Blockers and Bumblebee. And playing with Fire, I feel like just kind of went under the radar, you know, 
it, it did fine and made the money it needed to make. But uh, yeah, it clearly did not really blow up with critics. No pun intended. I mean, I also I also felt like it was a little under promoted at the time. Like that was yes. the weird thing about playing with fire for me was like I don't know. Um, but it's it's a very it's also a very weird. It's a it was probably advertised places where I wouldn't be looking for it. Like I sort of think that playing with fire would be like advertised during Nickelodeon because yes, jumping to the first title card as I do, this is a Nickelodeon movie and it's John Cena's first Nickelodeon movie, probably not his last question mark. Um, he's hosted the Kids' Choice Awards, as he, some of y'all know. He has been slimed, if you will. Um, but we are in Playing With Fire, and we start off with basically giving this superhero-like treatment to these firefighters who basically fortnight their asses in airdropping with parachutes into the fire. And we meet John Cena because, as Mike and I talked in the pre-show, I'm just going to pull the curtain back a little here. John Cena movies do a really bad job of, or a good job of treating you like you are actually in the reality. Because when I greet Mike, when I come up to Mike's face, I don't say, hey, Mike Andronico, how are you? No, people just talk to each other. They're normal. And we don't learn his character's name for a little bit. But what do we hear him say? We hear John Cena yell, where's my Redding crew at? And it turns out that's because this is in the Redding area of uh the north uh sorry uh redding california has uh, inspired by the real life heroes of the united states forest service smoke jumpers and hot shots they didn't give that name Pretty hot cool. shots in this movie they just call them smoke jumpers and smoke jumpers to me mike does that sound like what this job is not at all smoke jumper sounds like something else entirely something that maybe some friends of ours do in their in their recreational time Certainly not something that is kind of a more uh, acrobatic, courageous form of firefighting. But uh, but yeah, as Henry said, you get you get this cool opening montage. Uh, John Cena, aka Superintendent Jake Carson, aka Soup, uh, they drop in. They're putting out the fire, uh, and of course, a big part of we judge these movies in, in big part in how they introduce John Cena. And as far, as far as Cena introductions goes, this was a pretty good one. It was very fun, very comical. He enters the scene with the most serious face, looking incredibly badass, like Henry said, like a superhero. He's basically a military sergeant out there that is commanding a group of firefighters. He does a no-look. He catches a flaming branch without looking, very badass. He calls in an airstrike of whatever that pink stuff is to put the fire out. And Boss check. P-H-O-S hyphen C-H-E-K. Because, um... It's just because I am 36 in my hearing. That's not because of that, but it's because when I do these, I turn on subtitles like a weirdo. But Foscheck rains down on them, and it almost makes John Leguizamo's character puke. John Leguizamo, a character who we immediately learn doesn't have all of his, let's say, tools in his fire department because he misquotes Norman Schwarzkopf to fantastic uh, success or failure. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Uh so eventually, this during this opening scene, they put the fire out. We can see how badass they, they are. Uh, and then they're all thanking everybody. They're thanking Soup and his crew. I think at one point, a kid goes to hug him, and he misses him, and he knocks himself out. Uh, there's an incredible scene with uh, one of the women that's part of this town that they save. And she's looking at him very longingly, and she's clearly into him. And as he's getting, as he's getting raised back up into the chopper, she's like, my husband sells insurance. Take me with you. And her husband's right there, and he's like, excuse me. I'm right here. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, the kid runs right into the van, and that's to show how aloof um, Soup is. Um, it's funny they use their name Soup, because when I, when I think Soup, I think that's the word that they have in the boys for all the superheroes. So it's yes. like, okay, kind of, yeah, kind of. I think S-O-U-P, which is... You know, you got a point there. Yeah, the hot you're, uh, liquidy yeah, meal that you're comes bowling in lots for of success. Varieties. Yeah, you're bowling <laughs> for success with soup. But exactly. we get back to the um, fire station, if you will, and it turns out soup isn't just serious on the battlefield. He doesn't like any celebration back at home. Right, Mike? Yeah, they're trying to throw a party, and he's. they all see soup, and they all immediately you know, are at attention uh, as if this is, a, this is an army base. He gives a little speech, and he's like, you know, Mike, my, we, we learned that his dad, who has passed away, was kind of the original, you know, the greatest smoke jumper that there ever was, pretty much. Uh, the greatest smoke jumper to hang boots in this depot, he says. And there's a funny little bit where as he's saying that, Keegan-Michael Key's character is trying to readjust this picture of Soup's dad that keeps falling down, gets a splinter. Um, That's in there! And, That's in there! Yeah. Is how he mutters, because... Also, he doesn't know how to write a photo. He just tries to nudge it at first and not move it along the needle. I'm like, have you never, never readjusted a photo before? What? Yep. But we learn about Santa Barbara's crew chief, the big shots, because it turns out we've just been looking at the minor leagues here this whole time. And um, the real head honcho, who is played by Dennis Haysbert, who I know as 24's president and Mike knows as the all-state guy, um, he is getting the lavish love of the press, um, he's a TV show, inter- uh, a news interview, and they, oh, you're real life superheroes, aren't you? And he tries to be modest before completely not being modest. This guy is sort of, I don't, I don't call him the rock to, uh, to soup Cena, but he is sort of yeah. like the people love him and he knows it, uh, kind of guy. And it's a funny little shtick here. Um, but we go back to the, um, the, the smoke jumpers, uh, lodge lodging, if you will. And it's bad news, isn't it, Mike? Yes, because it turns out that, uh, a lot of soups guys decide they're going to jump ship over to commander. Sorry. I want to get his name, right? Uh, commander Richards team, Santa Barbara, AKA the all state, all state guy. Uh, cause yeah, as Henry said, they want the glory, you know, the Santa Barbara crew is kind of, they are the top tier smoke jumper crew and a bunch of almost all of soup skies jump ship they are the alpha team they are the it turns out that's the actual good the talented members of the team in theory if because because this the team people that left behind are the beta team though this movie is definitely like a step away from calling people chads like this is very interesting So, so, so the people that remain loyal are the main cast of this film we've got as we introduced before john leguizamo as rodrigo torres who definitely as henry pointed out has a few tools missing keegan michael key as mark rogers which is the most generic name to give someone as as awesome as keegan michael key but that's that's his character very funny in this film uh very goofy and and has some great moments and of course we'd be remiss not to mention axe the bald bearded lumberjack man who does not speak uh, until very late in the film. For now, he is just the silent big brute with an axe. Very intimidating. Very badass. Played by Tyler Mayne. And those are the folks that remain when everyone else leaves. You call him Tyler Mayne. I call him Knockoff or or, Nibis- or um, B-brand David Harbour. Like... He is. Quick, <laughs> quick segue. It turns out that uh, Tyler Mayne is actually a retired professional wrestler. His real name is Daryl Carolat. 
Uh, he also played Sabretooth in X-Men. So oh, that okay. Up. That's who. Okay. That super adds up. Uh, hold on. We have to look at his pro wrestling career. I wonder if him and Cena ever cross paths. Uh, doesn't look like it. He trained, uh, he's trained in Calgary with Stu Hart. Uh, it doesn't look like he did any huge promotions. Was in a had a quick stint in New Japan. Uh, he quickly he worked in WCW under the name Big Sky. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't look like he did a whole lot, but that is a fun fact. So he's so John Cena yeah. is not the only pro wrestler in this film. And it's kind of not that surprising that this guy's a pro wrestler. When you see him, he's like the one person in the movie who is notably bigger than Cena is. It's like okay, yeah, he's he's just Braun Strowman. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, except is. we don't think this guy is. Oh, let's not get into that. He, um, he doesn't get fired. No, or, or I was gonna go with probably we didn't want to raid the Capitol. Um, but so Daz Haysbert's character is considering retirement, and this is a plot point here. But when the Alpha Team leaves, um, Rodrigo is very upset and very sad, and he's screaming at them and basically goes, "You, we don't need you." And then he goes, "We need them." Uh, but before that, he goes, bet you can't step dance. And it's like a break dance routine on their way out. It's like, okay, dude, we're going to need you to hold it together now. We're going to need you to hold it together. But it turns out there's a fire. There's another fire already. Because Jungle with Umbo's going to have to be the pilot. He doesn't want to be. But they have eyes on the ground. And who is Dr. Hicks, Mike? So Dr. Hicks, uh, played by Judy Greer who is Judy Greer playing the role she always plays is kind of the, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe her, her, her typecast character. Quirky, esoteric, uh, misunderstood person. Her. Yes. So Dr. Hicks, uh, she's the, the local wildlife doctor, I guess. She specializes in toads and the various types of sea creatures that, that live in the area. Don't call them frogs. They are toads. Yes. Do not call them frogs. But as they're on the way to put out this fire, uh, they pass her office slash base of operations to get some water. Uh, in that process, they knock her down. She's really upset. Apparently, this is a problem, them stealing her water, what she needs for the wildlife, and they're using it to put out fires. That's an important plot point. But uh, we get into the thick of things. Uh, the, the crew jumps in to put this fire out. Uh, they land in a burning house. We meet three kids who turn out to be kind of the three main kids uh, of the film and he jumps in and I think it's Will that he talks to first the very wisecracking uh, young boy of the family and he's like you're a firefighter he's like I'm a smoke jumper and they're going back and forth about what that is and having like a mini argument as he's trying to save them and eventually oh go ahead no no it's like it's a ver- like, smoke jumper um, soup keeps saying no smoke jumpers are better there are millions of firefighters but there's only 336 smoke jumpers and then Will's like no, that means they're better, right? And he goes, no, sometimes less is more. And this is one of those examples. It's very much like, this is not the time to be debating this. You're in a burning yeah. house. but Yeah, um, and then there's there's another quip where he's like, you know, Cena's calling for extraction and something gets messed up. And Will's like, oh, there must be why there's so, so few smoke jumpers. You see, they're totally like blundering this. Yeah, like, was, um, sorry, Rodrigo's character accidentally tries to retract um, soup. And slams him against the roof over and over again. Because this movie is nothing if not slapstick AF. Like, mm-hmm. this is very much like... If you're wondering if you should watch this, I would say it's very much... Are you going to be watching with kids who want to watch funny things happen to people? 
maybe. Then. This is one of the most kid-friendly movies in the. Uh, obviously, we had the, the the cartoons. Yeah, and the, I actually and the, think this uh, is the most kid-friendly movie because. Am I wrong, Mike, or is there no um, uh, token horny character in this movie? No token horny character. There are some like very, very, very subtly suggestive scenes. Oh, yeah, there's and, a know. there are two words of dialogue or one yes. acronym of dialogue later that we're going to get to. But the kids won't get that joke unless they're no. nine, unless they're nine or up. But like, <laughs> luckily they're all eight according yep. to John Cena because yep. he says something like, "What are a couple eight year olds doing in the middle of nowhere?" Which are those hilarious random line of dialogue? I think again, one of the kids. There's another smoke jumper bit. He's like, they they call him firefighter again. He's like, "No, I told you we're smoke jumpers," which is way better. Uh, and they they take the kids back to the firehouse, uh, which is really which the kids are. The chaos ensues pretty much immediately because Will starts playing with the fire extinguisher. Uh, Bryn, who's the oldest of the family, the, the the girl of the family, she's you know being very sarcastic and smart with Soup, and which pushes Soup to say something like, "My name isn't Bud or Man or Dude. It's Superintendent Jake Carson." It's so like a lot of tension between the kids. They're causing havoc, um, and basically where we're at now in the story is that the smoke jumpers have saved these kids. Now they have to figure out how to get them back to their parents, which turns out to be trickier than it initially seems. But the oldest says, "I'm going to call them, and we'll take care of this." And they're on a they're they're away on vacation right now. Like, just let us handle this. And Jake grabs the phone out of her hand, and this is the moment where you start to realize how the real. We've watched all these John Cena movies, Mike, and I don't think I've ever noticed this before how great it is to put John Cena in a kid's movie because everything is comically undersized to his body. Cause she, yes. this, this kid, this, um, Bryn, how they, like, I think it looks like an iPhone SE or an iPhone five kind of phone. I'm like, oh, okay. But like in John Cena's giant hand, it looks like when Godzilla would pick up the, like the woman off the, no, no, King Kong would pick up the damsel in distress off of the building. Like everything is oversized and it makes his veins popping out of his arms look even yes. more grotesque. Um, yep. And I just wrote that down in my notes. Um, but Mark, um, Mark Key and Michael Key uh, tells them, well, I th this won't be that, this won't, doesn't need to be that bad. We have a safe haven law. We can hold on to these kids for a little bit. We don't need to get them to their parents if their parents are not here right now. Well, and then the um, soup gets a text from their parents. They're going to come tomorrow. It'll be okay. And then, but the second they try to leave that room, it turns out these kids are hell. And Will yes. has wrapped the fire hose all around the main living room. And Mike, like, is this not a great advertisement for being single and not having kids or what? <laughs> well, yeah, it's definitely a great advertisement for not picking up three random children uh, in the middle of a burning suburban area because will especially is causing havoc as harry pointed out the, the hose is everywhere he trips soup soup kind of goes nuts he's yelling this depot is not a playground uh it turns out that soup gets an update from who we think is the kids are the kids parents uh saying that you know they're stuck due to the storm so they might take a little bit longer and um yeah there's just again constant the kids are just giving the firefighters or sorry the smoke jumpers so much crap uh, Bryn is being very smart with Mark. She's like, why does that have to be fighting the fires? Why can't it be? Why does that have to be so antagonistic? And, and Mark's just losing his mind. Why can't this is you where contain I realized, it? <laughs> yes. 
this is where I real, which is a metaphor for the whole movie. It's a metaphor for children, as we'll find out. Um, we actually find out, uh, or this is where I realize that um, Bryn is Brianna Hildebrand, uh, who you may have seen in the Deadpool films as a Negasonic Teenage Warhead, kind of the uh, one of Deadpool's main sidekicks in that movie, which really surprised me. For, for some reason, she looks way younger in this film, despite this being much newer than the Deadpool movies. Uh, I guess it's just that's what happens when you have long hair and aren't dressed like an explosive superhero and blowing things up everywhere you go. And being around Deadpool and like thinking, okay, somebody cleared this actor to be in the same room as all the dialogue of a Deadpool movie really makes you think that they must be older than somebody who's in a childish movie like this. Mm -hmm. We also meet, I believe his name is Masher, the dog of the the dog of the station who you know, who's charging in. We think we think he's going to, you know, really come at the kids and attack them. He looks super intimidating. And then Zoe, the youngest girl, just immediately stops him. And he's being all sweet and an adorable little. Yeah. With a little point like that. And they're they're just loving each other and, and playing and like uh, wrapped around her pinky instantly. Everybody. The other firefighters are like smoke jumpers. They're like, what? what, what yeah. What? I think the baby broke your dog is what yeah. they say. And then so yeah. Zoe has a name for Masher sparkle pony and this is the moment where some people in the audience probably figured something out that the rest of us took a little bit more longer to figure out but we cut to more havoc that the kids are raising because will loves the vibrating chairs these recliners in the um and then soup tells him that chair is not for children that, or no, and then he goes this chair isn't for children and, he, and Soup yells, nothing here is for children. And it's just, yeah, he's a little high, high a little wound it's, up. It's a fun time. Um, but yeah, so Soup being as frustrated as he is, he's back in his office. There's a funny bit where for some reason Mark calls him from right outside while he has his umbrella up. Uh, and I think at this point Soup is kind of just, you know, pondering what's, he's being frustrated. He's frustrated with the kids, frustrated with what's happening with Sandra, uh, Santa Barbara. Uh, and then he gets a phone call, but he doesn't know who it's from. He picks up the phone and immediately has an attitude with the person on the other line until he realizes that it is none other than the All-Star, All-State guy, a.k.a. Dennis Haysbert, a.k.a. the commander. So he improvises this little bit where he... he Please hold! He the, yeah, he, he pretends he was the receptionist the whole time and goes, Please hold! Uh, and then switches to himself again. And... Uh, yeah, it turns out, you know, Richard's Richard saw the what that what uh Soup and the crew recently did. They were very very impressed. Uh he also there's a really funny bit where Richard Richards brings up Soup's father and uh he's like, you know, your father is a great man. There's no better honor for a smoke jumper than burning to a crisp. To which Soup says, uh, I prefer he didn't die, sir. Also just but, like uh, the lack of tact on telling somebody that your father was bur- that their father was burned to a crisp on the it's, it really shows, like, John Cena it comes from an industry of people who are very much a very, oh, we're normalized to this mentality. Wrestlers say weird, inappropriate. Like, this industry, too. They they understand their industry, and outsiders would be a little bit confused. But, um, a little bit. Uh, Jake is very much, sorry, um, yeah, Jake is very much awkward about trying to talk to Richards. Um and he says, after you're gone, and it's like, if he's going to get the job, he goes, I'm not dying. And if I do die, it's because everybody else is dead, too. And it's 
these movies really sometimes the dialogue is too good for me to not pause yeah, i have this whole scene almost this whole scene quoted because richards he's not in the movie much but he has some of the best deadpan humor also mind you while he's saying that while he's on the phone talking to soup he's he's in a gym training there's a guy just boxing on his stomach just to show like how strong and impervious pervious he is but the long the whole point of the scene is richards you know recognizes how great soup is and basically mentions like hey you could have a shot at this job so once they get off the phone an incredible scene because john cena at this point is ecstatic changed his whole mood he realizes he could get this amazing promotion starts dancing at one point looks like he's doing the five knuckle shuffle like he legit does it it's yeah. just it's like literally just winking blowing a kiss to the audience doing all these hilarious dances mark he doesn't know mark's behind him but mark's dancing along too masher's sitting there looking at them both like what the hell are you doing um but it's a funny moment uh super realizes mark is there they talk about it a little bit and um they're both looking up at the picture of big dan soup's father mark saying you know he would be so proud mark's tearing up soup at this point refuses to cry because apparently he just doesn't cry i think we get the first kleenex gag where he tries to hand him the tissues which becomes a recurring bit uh welcome so jackie to the at. stream welcome jackie yeah for joining us today hey, jackie we love to see you um and hope you're doing well um yeah no john cena is this up and come he, i'm really happy for him it seems like he's having his big break finally it's movies like this that show that hollywood really might believe in him so yes yeah no um when you're working with judy greer aka archer's own judy greer like but we cut to um the kids talking with um we get to you cut oh don't mind if i do jackie Sorry, we're taking an important hydration break, but yeah, I think uh, I'll set Henry up for no, this. No, one no, no, you got, you can take it, you can take it. One of the most iconic scenes in the film, because uh, yeah, the kids continue to wreak havoc. They're kind of like looking through the attic and messing with stuff. Um, Zoe's playing with Zoe's messing with a old covered dusted piano, and uh, uh, Toop walks in the room, and Will uh, insults his fanny pack, uh, and. Soup goes, this isn't a fanny pack. It's a fupa. Which, I forget what that stands for in the context fire of the uti- um, That is my fire utility pouch apparatus. But uh, <laughs> if you have Google, you can find something completely different. That is not something the kids would want to know about, but that's so the, like um, the most the most surprisingly adult joke in this, in this very kid-friendly movie. Yeah, this movie is incredibly, like... There's a they there's a running gag of these kids just want to listen to BTS like this is very much uh, not adults movie but um Zoe ooh, excuse me a littlest kid Zoe she is a they call her a baby I think I'd call her a baby but I don't know it's, it's what like, older I mean, siblings do to the younger sibling yeah she's screaming yeah. and then Bryn is just showing you how to like calm Zoe down. And she goes, just don't come at kids all aggro. Like, me, fireman, me can't turn my head all the way. And she just really wants to... That was a that is a pretty good insult to, uh, yeah. to John Cena's physique, though. Will continues to be the worst child ever by running in with two flare guns. But don't you, uh-huh. you, you don't know that they're flare guns if you're not, like, a firefighter. It's the yellow revolvers with red tips. And he shoots them in the living room. Fire and flames everywhere. Yeah. Soup's leg on fire. Who cares? Uh, 
And then this is just one of the many moments where every time um, uh, a, 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 a Hicks shows up, see, uh, uh, Jake is covered in the white smoke of a smoke um, flame fire extinguisher. Fire extinguisher, yeah. Yeah, one of the guys. Yeah, because he, he he one of the guys quickly extinguishes him, and of course, as soon as that happens, Doctor Hicks is at the door, and um, she says she makes a funny comment like, "Oh, don't you realize you're supposed to use the fire extinguisher away from the action?" I know anyway, you're the expert, but yes. So, so Doctor Hicks is there because she's she's telling him, "Hey, you guys scooped up water from this protected lake that I'm trying to keep in order because we need it for you know the local wildlife," uh, and then I think what. Jake accidentally calls them frogs. We find out they're toads. Very and, important yeah, distinction. Dr. Hicks says, oh, you know, they're different. You know, toads and frogs are a lot different, like firefighters <laughs> and smoke jumpers. Yes. And it's, again, so great, uh, a great scene here because all of a sudden Jake starts doing – Jake starts – what what appears to be sweet talking her and he's like you know what you're you're really nurturing towards those fro oh sorry toads uh it's very maternal <laughs> he it's, almost it's really intentionally impressive. yeah yeah and we we think that dupe is sweet talking her but he's really just trying to offload the kids and he's saying hey <laughs> you know just can you take please take them off your hands uh, dr hicks makes a comment like why because i'm a woman you know it's just a lot of silly back and forth no because and you're then, a doctor Yes, and then while all that's going on, <laughs> the kids and smoke the kids of the smoke jumpers are just having a great time. They're all watching My Little Pony while they're using the massage chairs that they were told not to use. <laughs> John Leguizamo makes a comment about his time in prison. I forgot the, the name of the prison. San Quentin. And yeah. um, Will, where's San? <laughs> what's San Quentin? It's a liberal arts college in Vermont, of course. I mean, I bet people who went to. Um... Is it Bennington? Is the is that I I think Bennington might be the liberal arts college in Vermont. They're sort of slowly pointing at mm -hmm. some people who went there might claim it's a prison, but they're probably a little spoiled if they would say that. But everybody loves My Little Pony in this moment because and it turns out Rodrigo is a giant expert about My Little Pony because it was one of the three things they could watch in prison. So you know you learn what you learn. You don't, mm -hmm. but it's like the running gag of the movie is like the expertise. His, he will get every quote from everything wrong unless it's about My yeah. Little Pony. Yep. Um, but um, doc, Dr. Hicks leaves and all the kids are like, "You, you, why, why are you letting her go? You, you like her. She likes you. And John Cena goes, she likes me? And it's like very like wholesomely awkward. Like he has so no aloof. idea. But yeah. And then it, he's gone on two and a half dates with her, a joke that's repeated over and over again. Yep. And then Will goes, do you love her? And then Zoe yells, kisses. And then. It's all very, it's very, very cute. Very yep. elementary teasing. I love it. But it's time for the kids to stay over. And so they have to make the fire, this, this very masculine, very aggro firehouse safe for kids. And it turns out Rodrigo's really made this place not that kid friendly. Um, there's a lot of yeah. inappropriate stuff he has to pull off his wall. Yeah, he's got a, a pretty suggestive poster, which will ask if that's Dr. Hicks. It is not. Uh, he's got some booze. He's got lots of stuff in there that's not very kid-friendly. A giant knife. A giant, yes. but like... Well, I mean, he's a fireman. I feel like you need those handy. Yeah, but Will runs over to the um, alarm clock on the countertop next to the bunk beds and just yells, Alexa, play BTS. Alexa, play BTS. 
Mike, what's going on here? Yeah, so so Will obviously being a a, a child of I don't even know Gen Z beyond Gen negative two, he's like two seconds old. He he's trying to talk to an, an uh, alarm clock or speaker. Doesn't realize it's not an Alexa, not an Echo device. So he goes, "Your Alexa's broken." Um, to which John Cena goes, <laughs> "That's a clock." And we learn yeah. that Jake never had a childhood. He's been training in this fire station since he was four years old. Yeah, he goes, that corner right there is where I did my first push-up. And Zoe, sooner or later, is in tears. And this mm -hmm. confuses Jake, Cena. And he goes, I didn't cry. I've never cried. And this is a thing we finally learn about how broken of a human being he is. But he's asked to do a lullaby, which he starts by saying, there once was a man from Nantucket, and then he quickly moves to the side. Um, but in the most... You ever seen those Twitter accounts, Mike, where it's like so-and-so Googling? Yes, yep, yep. Because Jake exactly is Googling, going. is it bad if you've never cried? And that is, to me, one of the most like humanizing, sad moments of this movie, because he's learning how... Yeah, it was, it was both like one of the funniest and saddest parts of the movie and it was so subtle because you just see his google screen for a second uh, but definitely one of the parts that stuck out to me you gotta watch these movies with a close eye like these are these are silly little kids movies but they reward the attention to detail um and they don't make you watch four, four hours like a snyder movie would but <laughs> so soup actually has the application for this new job that he wants to get and he writes the question mike if i remember correctly is why do you deserve to be the director blah 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 mm -hmm. And he writes, my father wanted me to be this, and I have worked every day to prepare for it. And he stares at the computer, and he hates what he just wrote. And this is the moment where I've seen, I said to myself, John Cena's just like us. Because I have stared at the computer screen going, who, who thought I was okay to write things for money? Like... We've all been there, but it's, it's also an important scene, because he, he hasn't found his purpose just yet. But he will. And... To foreshadow that, we cut to Dr. Hicks, who's talking to her toads. It just kind of seems like they're her only friends. And um, she's trying to, you know, convince herself that she doesn't like soup. She's like, you know, he's gross. Unless you're into a really muscular, you know, really chiseled, really always seems to have a tan kind of guy. And then she's like, you know, he hasn't even asked to meet you two yet, talking to her two toads. That's the best it's... line. Yeah. That is my favorite. It's like, he doesn't even want to meet you. Like. Has yep. she told him the Toads' names yet? So she didn't speak to them by name in this scene. But... Yeah, no. And then we cut back to the firehouse, and Masher, a.k.a. Sparkle Pony, is sleeping in Zoe's bed, to which Soup goes, traitor. Um, and then... Mike, you, you're, Mike, you're a dog ensues. owner. But, Mike, you're a dog owner. Go, what does Will do? <laughs> So, I have a dog over as you can see behind me, my, my beautiful angel Marie sleeping. If dogs love one thing, it's peanut butter. And that's why we see Will with a vat of peanut butter. And I think he, he gives, you know, he gives some to Masher. But now, uh-oh, his hands are covered in peanut butter. And for some reason, he decides he's going to walk up to the fire truck and try to open the door. And he gets peanut butter all over that thing. Okay, no problem. He tries to grab some paint stripper. Uh, but that spills all over the floor. He climbs up to get some cleaning powder, knocks down the entire shelf. Now there's cleaning supplies, Clorox, all types of chemicals all over the floor. Um, so obviously things are going to go bad. 
And to further set that up, we cut to Zoe, who sneaks up on Soup wearing what looks like a hockey mask. I vividly remember the scene, because Henry, when you and I saw this at theaters, as that was happening, you whispered to me, let me in. <laughs> making fun of the fiend who had just debuted around that time and i was laughing hysterically so you actually made that scene way funnier for me so while while will is causing chaos in the garage zoe's <laughs> zoe wakes up uh soup who we find out has slept in uh the rest of the kids are with mark and torres they're having some breakfast uh we we get another recurring bit torres made spam cakes he everything he cooks has spam in it no one ate it they're eating all the other stuff well, um, we got another recurring bit because it turns out Zoe made tea. And when yes. Soup drinks the tea, he immediately jumps out of bed and breaks his entire bunk bed like it's a, <laughs> a Jenga tower. Spoiler alert. Um, and but Bryn made great pancakes. And everybody likes her. Rodrigo's angry because nobody ate his spam cakes. Mm. But then we learn. did not look very appetizing. Nope. These were not flapjacks. Were they, Mike? These were they distract were, uh, jacks. They were distract jacks because, because <laughs> uh, when we get back to the, uh, you know, it looks like it turns out the kids were, you know, well, well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but yeah, the kids are obviously seem to be planning some kind of breakaway. Uh, Will in all the chaos turns on the fire hose, and here because this is like the the big action set piece of the movie because he. As he turns on the fire hose, he's basically flying around that garage as what looks like a bubble bath emerges around him. Uh, it's absolute chaos. The smoke jumpers come in. Soup and Taurus and all of them are trying to catch him. It turns into this like game of whack-a-mole. They're going in and out of the bubbles trying to catch this kid who's literally flying around. Definitely like some very clear CGI happening because you literally have a kid flying on a fire hose. And like Cena just pops up and down out of the bubbles and in the other most CGI'd part of this. But um, Will, when he's playing with the fire, goes, how hard can this be? And then when the fire hose shoots him up in the air, he just yells, whoa, hard, very hard. And I'm just like, yep, somebody's having fun with this dialogue who shouldn't be allowed to be writing dialogue mm -hmm. for children. But they're hunting. And then all of a sudden, Zoe sees soup and she says, boom, boom. Mike, what does boom, boom mean? In this film, boom, boom means poop. Because it turns out that Zoe has pooped her pants. And the or is about we're... to. She's about yes. to. And then we learn and with before, a sound effect. Before we, because what led to here, because, yeah, the whole, in, in all of the chaos, while all that was happening, uh, Bryn was snooping around uh, Soup's office. She notices the that he's applying for the promotion. I forget what she was even really there for, but, you know, she was doing some snooping. And I yes, think she was stealing and... keys to one of the vehicles, I think. Yes, yep. And yeah, this is when, uh, <laughs> oh God, I had so much happens here. There's so much chaos, but yes, Zoe poops her pants. So they have to change her diaper. Um, I think Torres mentions that maybe it was the spam brulee <laughs> that did it. One of his many spam dishes. Uh, and yeah, we get the, uh, the diaper changing scene. Do you want to take this one, Henry? Well, <laughs> this is the thing that made me actually pause and rewind and like think about physics and because um, the thing is, Soup says nobody handles poop better than Soup because Mark is a poet. Mark is a poet. Yeah. Um, but Soup is revolted by Zoe's boom boom, and he goes away for a second. And he goes to go full Darth Vader on this and get into a full, like, uh, vet, before face masks were face masks, he mm -hmm. has a um, 
professional level mask that's designed to keep nuclear particles out, but the stench is too strong. Before he can get back, though, Zoe's, like, shooting a nail gun into the air that Mark keeps dodging. Like, Zoe yep. is just uh, is hell in a spoiled uh, diaper at this point. Um, but yeah, she is chaos personified. I, I must kill chaos. Um, yes. But, so, Mark, uh, J- Jake is trying to change a diaper, and he's in this big mask on, and all of a sudden... The mask itself explode. The poop explodes inside the mask, and J- uh, Mark actually does a very good narrative job of explaining right up the armhole, because oh. it if you if you look closely if you freeze frame you notice that Zoe and her changing area was positioned right next to the sleeve, and it fired the projectile area up the sleeve, which I guess can go up and through the bottom of the mask. And it's it baby, just baby, looks terrible. Yeah, it just it works, looks terrible. Yeah. And but this point, um, we basically have um, Jake has to go off and clean himself. But Mark is there to try to like clean everything up. And Bryn starts sabotaging. She's Bryn is just the devil in this movie at first. Like you, mm-hmm. you really supposed to like think like what? How evil it? But she's trying to sabotage Mark and Jake's work friendship, and. Very weird, but we learned that Mark is coming from an entire family of accountants. Just like Jake, everybody passes down their career. Mm-hmm. And while they're doing this, Bryn steals the keys. And mm-hmm. because these firefighters really want to spend time with kids, Rodrigo is crazy enough to bring Will into the fire simulator. Yes, yeah. there is a... There's one of those... Um, it looks like one of those shipping containers basically outside. Yeah. And you can cr- simulate a fire. But, Mike? I I want to point out the amazing quote that Torres gives here. Because as as he's, you know, he's... Uh, actually, no, so Will... Torres is the one that sca- gets scared before the simulation. Will slaps him, tells him to buck up. And, he's, and, and then I think Torres gives a quote. He's like, as Lance Armstrong once said... That's one small step for men, but you got to watch out for the next one, which is just a hilarious buggled quote. Uh, which he attributes catches... to he attributes that quote to Lance Armstrong, and yeah. Will goes, "Nope, not even close." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, while so Soup catches them doing that simulation because he's sitting down trying to finish his application and smells smoke, and then gets to them, and then all those distractions worked because. The kids get away, I believe, in one of the one of the fire vehicles, and they made the driveway incredibly slick with a bunch of oil everywhere. So as the smoke jumpers try to catch the kids, they're all falling. It's very comical, very slapstick. They none of them can stand up straight, and basically the kids have escaped, and now they have to go catch them. And that's going to be a hard thing to do. And also a bit of a warning for anybody who ever thought about piracy. I just learned that the Japanese police arrested three people for uploading Fast and Furious movies on YouTube. So, kids, never pirate Fast and Furious movies. Don't do that. But Don't do it. Jumping back to this movie, um, Bryn's oiled up the driveway. Bryn is going to make this impossible for them to chase him down. And, like, it's very weird. And Soup does a split by accident. Like, he almost does a mm-hmm. full, like... They, comment, they, yeah, they even say, like, they split. Like, yeah. one of them comments on it. Yeah. And but then Soup eventually chases them down, just in time for the ATV to sink into the water, which yeah. But then we reveal that Will asks Bryn to reveal what the truth is about their parents. 
Their so, parents yeah, are in the... Africa. Nope. Our parents work for a secret government organization. Nope. Mike, what happened to their parents? It turns out their parents died two years ago. There are no parents. Nobody was ever coming. Bryn orchestrated all of the texting that was supposedly their mother. Uh, there was no one coming. They did all this because they did not want to end up in foster care. It turns out that in foster care, they were set to be separated. So these kids were kind of doing everything they could to stay together, get away from foster care, and not get split up as a family. Yeah, the run away from foster care, it's a huge ordeal that kids have gone through and that's why they're in this house that catches fire i guess um but jake and then we're gonna be they're in the woods they're gonna make a night of it they're gonna do whatever and at this point we see jake run off into the woods to try to like help everybody out and he comes back very <laughs> with this little skewered rat it looks like and he goes who wants chipmunk to which Bryn says nobody in the history of the world wants chipmunk and it's then funny. it turns out Bryn had most of a ju- full camping setup, including mm-hmm. hot cocoa, in her backpack, and she had raided the supply closet. So they were ready for this. They unpacked. They the, were ready. Yeah, they unpacked the ATV. <laughs> and speaking of being ready, so uh, Soup mentions that hey, nature calls. He's got to go. And uh, as he's as he's getting ready to go to the bathroom, um, <laughs> Bryn tosses him a roll of toilet paper. Uh, but there's a problem. I believe this is when Zoe starts crying, and I think she needs to be with Soup to get calmed down. So Soup is simultaneously trying to calm down Zoe while trying to do his business, and there's some amazing dialogue. He's just he goes, I can't go with you looking at me. Can you look away? And she's pulling on his face. It's amazing. And then literally she, grabbing his face and like stretching his skin. It's like very yeah. good physical comedy. She but goes, then she says yeah. That's, I don't. I forget. I forget. Does he ever actually go? I forget how that scene ended. I don't think so. I just think we hear her say "boom boom," and then we think we're gonna have bears coming. But thankfully, it's not bears. It's just Masher. Yes. So, eventually, you know, where we the the crew gets back. Uh, Soup says that he called CPS that they're they're gonna be able to stay together until Monday. He asks everyone to get the firehouse in order before the commander arrives so you know the it, it's the crew at this point the, the the smoke jumpers and the kids have bonded it's really wholesome they're like a little family at this point <laughs> uh <laughs> torres is making jalapeno chocolate cake because of course he is and there's a great gag where you see his eyes a little red uh and his mouth is on fire and he touches his face so he's not in a good way right now whenever he uh, cooks everything goes wrong we'll learn this throughout the movie but yep. um, the dots, the dots, Mike. Tell us about the dots. The dots. Wait, I don't think I have the dots. Well, it turns out there's texting. Oh, yes. Oh no, okay. no, sorry, I jumped ahead really far fast. Actually, there, no. Before we get there, there's a really I scrolled funny down. Thing, yeah, so, it turns yeah, out another... um, there's they're going to be barbecuing. I I skipped past yes. the barbecue. Um, um, soup is trying to man the grill, and he um. Everything's looking good until, hi, Dr. Hicks, and he squirts a lot of lighter fluid onto the fire, to which Mark pops up and extinguishes Jake again, leaving Jake covered in white detritus. And then this is where we get a really wholesome moment where Hicks and Carson flirt. Yes. Um, it turned out both of them were listening to each other very closely because 
um, Hicks understands containing and not fighting fires. And Carson remembers that the Western Spadefoot's poop smells a lot like peanut butter. The more this you know. The first time, and he jokingly calls himself Mr. Fun, which is a recurring bit. But now that, so that happens. And then, yeah, so now we get up to the texting scene because we've got the whole crew with Soup. And they're basically trying to set Soup up on a date. Because she Hicks. left. And she, like, yeah. is going to go back to her cabin by herself with her toads. And mm-hmm. Will yells, what a whiff. Like, everybody's <laughs> just mocking him for having zero game. And yep. um, eventually, they're going to try to coach him to text her. And coach, uh, Dr. Hicks gets a text that just says, yo, question mark, in all caps, to which I guess Razor Ramon got her phone number. And yes. the next text is, what's up, all capital letters, question mark, to which you're like, oh, God, they're not they're not doing well with him. But it turns out that's Bryn pretending to be Soup, and that's her way that Soup would text in Bryn's head, Mike. But much yep. like in Blockers, texting goes emojified or icons pretty quickly. It definitely goes, it definitely goes awry because, yeah, they're, you know, Bryn's like, you know, you, you don't tell how you feel. You, don't, you, you show, not tell. So it starts off cute. She sends Dr. Hicks an emoji of him as a, you know, a firefighter emoji. Starts off cute and innocent. And Dr., from Dr. Hicks' perspective, like, oh, he's being flirty. This is fun. Then Zoe gets a hold of the phone. Zoe, Miss Boo Boo herself. And she is just spamming poop emojis, which makes Dr. Hicks laugh at first, but it's a lot of poop. And of course, Duke, bless his heart, being the aloof, boomery gentleman he is, he's like, oh, what are these chocolate dessert-looking things? Does she want ice cream? Who doesn't love ice cream? Uh, but even with all that chaos, Dr. Hicks agrees to come by, and they're like, yeah, Jake, you got yourself a date. Yeah, it's very, and she brings cookies and he almost panics at first because they explained to him that the three dots, because clearly um, Dr. Uh, Hicks and Jake are both on iPhones. So they both have the type, type, type three ellipsis <laughs> yeah, there's emoji. No green, there's no green bubbles here. Nope. Because um, that would lead to them not dating. Um, yes. But uh, the dots are gone. She changed her mind. But it turns out as Bryn tries to tell Jake, no, she's just trying to get it right. She wants this to work. Very wholesome. But Hicks yeah. brings toad-shaped cookies, and it seems like Rodrigo has an allergic reaction to them at first, but that gets glossed over. Um, she tell when she when Soup keeps calling her Doctor Hicks, she goes, "You can call me Amy," to which Cena says, "You can call me Soup or Jake," because he knows how awkward he is. He's sort of like he becoming more self-aware. Finally, lets it down. Yep, and then everybody is watching them on a date at this party. And, like, Masher and, like, Rodrigo and Axe are all just watching. And um, this is the point where I think Bryn... No, no, Rodrigo says, I hope they live happily ever after, like Romeo and Juliet. Which will remind some folks of a certain age in the crowd that John Leguizamo was in the DiCaprio version of Romeo and Juliet. That's a a nice possible little wink and a nod to that character, that actor's cinema. I, I didn't know that, but that was a great continuation of his his terrible mismer, misremembering and misquoting of everything. Uh, another great part, it turns out they fixed up the piano, and Mark is like, oh, piano's ready for you, sir, because he thinks it's still broken. So Soup's on the spot. He's playing the piano. I love this part because Zoe's asking him to play, like, you know, Chance the Rapper, Lil Pump. Post-Gold. Wu-Tang Clan. Like, yeah, she <laughs> loves she loves hip-hop, and she knows all these artists. So the first thing Soup plays is, uh, I believe, Ring of Fire. Yep. By Johnny Cash, 
Uh, and then he plays, I forgot the artist, but he plays a song called The Heat Is On. Glenn Fry. And that's yeah, the so moment where Soup is like clearly showing his boomerness. They're going, nobody knows Glenn Fry? I'm like, I don't even know Glenn Fry, dude. I'm a yep. edge And case. I think Bryn says, Bryn says, don't tell me you only know how to play songs that are fire related. He's like, no. Yes. yes. And I think, was this John Cena actually singing? I think it was. Um, He's pretty damn good. Something we've, I've, I think, I forget where, which interview it was, but somebody recently said, um, it turns out playing the piano is actually one of John Cena's somewhat secret talents. Um, they were like on the set of one of the movies and then they walked in, they walked into the hotel lobby and they heard somebody playing piano and they walked in. It was John Cena playing piano. So this is that like... Sounds, that sounds very right. In my personal headcanon of how I see him, that makes a lot of sense. He's definitely been spending years ready for a series of interviews on, like, Jimmy Fallon's couch where they have to have interesting little anecdotes about what he's what his life is like. And Cena playing piano, that's something that an when F9 they do, cast when they do the Elton When they do the Elton John biopic. Yeah, no. Um, you got your star right Tiny here. Dancer 2. Um, yeah, but... Um, it's Maybe night, Billy Joel. Yeah. Okay. It's 90... Oh, there are enough car crashes in this one already. Um, but Nighty Night, it's time for Jake to tell stories um, because everybody needs a little nighttime thing. And then... So he tells a little... Um, a bon voyage, like a good night, and uh, Zoe goes to bed, and Will needs a story, and Soup tells a really weird story of... Did you get the mess metaphor here? Oh I could... yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So so this is this is one of the, the the more tender emotional parts of the film. So, uh, Soup starts telling Will a story uh, about a yeti who is you know who lived with his uh, lived with his child and loved his child and did everything to protect him. And one day there was a big fire and the yeti went to put it out. He never made it back. And he was basically telling the story of his dad and himself. And basically, yeah, so so Soup was telling Will, you know, what happened with his father and why he's the way he is and why Soup dedicates his whole life to, you know, being a firefighter. So it's a really sweet little tender moment where he finally kind of lets his guard down. Um, and then, it, you know, I think at this point, Bryn's like, hey, you should ask Amy to spend the night. Uh, she also gives him back the keys to the car. Like, she's, like, yeah. sort of showing us signs of truth. Like, she's accepted yep. him. And then... Before they can even ask her to stay the night, they realize it's Zoe's birthday tomorrow. We don't even have any presents, so we so, get a shopping montage here. Uh, but and it is yeah. it is one hell of a shopping montage. Before then, Doctor Hicks he asks her, "Can when we go out to get these presents, can you take care of the kids?" And I'm not asking you because you're a woman. And it's very much like okay, he's 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 becoming more sentient. And then it's like um, Jake really no no uh, Mark really wants to give Zoe a drone. And the other kids at the shopping mall don't believe, like, a three-year-old would want a drone at all. But the kid points um, him to get her a um, My Little Pony bicycle. Very much. And and Mark rides away in it and then oh, grabs the drone anyway. It's, it's yep. a very fun montage at one point. Uh, I think at one point it's uh, either Mark or Torres is like fighting with another dad to get a toy, and then Axe comes in to you know intimidate him. He's dragging so an axe on the floor of like a Toys R Us as like a Dark Souls boss showing up to do battle. It's mm -hmm. but, but uh... the next morning hits and there's a fire alarm. Oh no, Mike! 
What's this? A oh, don't worry. There's there's not a fire. This was just to wake the kids up because it's time to celebrate Zoe's birthday. They throw her this amazing party. There's toys and decorations. Everywhere. And Zoe got and... it. Zoe knew that nothing was wrong. The other siblings yeah. sort of act like, oh, no, what? But Zoe's like, oh, party. And she runs out and yells, Equestria, because the entire living room has been decked out in My Little Pony stuff. Yep. Uh, there's an incredibly, there's a lot of really sweet, but this is like the movie really starts to hit me in the feels. And like, I got a little emotional. Like there's a great scene where Axe hands her her bunny, which every time he squeezes it, it says, I love you. Uh, and then, you know, and they wanted to get something for the other kids too. They didn't want Will and Bryn to feel left out. Uh, so Torres gives Will a fire helmet and laser pointer. And it's again, super sweet. It's not just any um, laser pointer. That's the thing that uh, Cena used to indicate where that pink goo would be dropped on them. Uh -huh. It's like, a, it's like the lightsaber of laser pointers. It's very yes. impressive. Um, but Bryn is really getting emotionally worked up. She starts to cry. In which case Rodrigo is about to cry. Cause he has sympathetic tears. Um, I believe is yes. the term. Um, Everybody gets a present because Jake is out with a little box for Amy. It's the agreement that he's finally signed. Um, but it turns out they gave they got Jake a present too, Mike. What did Jake get? And Jake got a comically undersized My Little Pony shirt, uh, which is a brilliant gag. Because now you so have John Cena basically wearing a Princess Celestia crop top in this movie, and it's perfect. Yeah, it's like I want to part whatever score I end up giving this movie. I feel like I feel like point five of the points are from this visual gag alone. Uh, there's so many so many great bits here. Axe starts laughing hysterically. It's the first time we see him actually open his mouth, and it turns out he has an incredible singing voice. He's like singing opera. Um, they're having a great time. They play some dodgeball. It's uh, yeah, it's it's really sweet. There's, they do that uh, uh, parachute game where they lift the parachute up in the air and. Yep. Both Zoe and Axe really get emotionally um, drawn to it. Rodrigo brains Zoe accidentally. He's just trying to, like, play dodgeball <laughs> yeah. with her. And then Axe brains Rodrigo for doing that. Um, he hits him but, so hard. Yeah, but, like, Zoe is, like, covered with pillows for protection. It's, like, very interesting. Um, and then during this uh, parachute game, we have one shot where John Cena in the crop top is in the background. So they're not letting – they're making the most use they can out of – the uh, Princess Celestia crop top. And then they're playing Giant Jenga. Yes. And Mark, it turns out, is very worried that Jake, now that he's flirting with Amy, won't need Jake, won't need Mark anymore. To which Bryn sneaks the Kleenex box over to Mark because he needs a little cry. But this is where everything goes wrong because in walks the Allstate guy. Yes. So in, the, in all of the joy and exuberance of the party... Uh, they were not expecting Commander Richards to show up a little early. Uh, he's he's not happy with what's going on. He's like, this is supposed to be a fire depot. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Soup's immediate instinct is to rip off his My Little Pony shirt. So he's just shirtless. He eventually and, gets a, a fire shirt. And to say, why are you here? You're supposed to come tomorrow. And to which Hazeford goes, it wouldn't be much of a surprise inspection if I came the day I told you. Point taken. Yep. And True, also, but... Child Protective Services is also here. And they're just like, looking around at how unsafe everything is, how there are, like, so many we weapons and dangerous things. And in the meantime, where did the kids go? Dennis Haysbert goes, where are my keys? Turns out they stole his Humvee. And now we got to go on a trek, a quest, to find the kids. And, Mike, how do Haysbert and Jake get along in the helicopter? 
but I don't quite remember their They don't get along well at all. It was not good. It no, was not good. And Jake basically says, here's a parachute. You can get out if you don't want to help these kids. This is my mm-hmm. important... Like, uh, the super... the uh, Dennis Haysbert's like, you gotta... This is no way to run a fire station, blah, blah, blah. But Jake sees both the lightsaber light pointer that he gave Will because the Humvee is stuck on a ledge. And Jake goes, well... Actually, no, you're not going to get out. I'm going to get out. And he jumps down to save them. And he needs to, like, grab the wire to save them and bring them back up. And once they're all brought up to the line, is this where Jake finally cries, Mike? I believe it is. Uh, Jake Jake finally, finally cries because, uh, you know, he saves the kids. Will says, you're my hero. Soup says, you're my hero. Uh, it's a really sweet moment. And yeah, we finally see some tears. I believe uh, Mark is like, I thought you never cried. Soup's like, please don't tell anybody. We get another Kleenex bit. Um, it's very, very, very sweet stuff. So the kids are saved. This That was like the big defining moment, the big set piece where we realize, you know, Soup will do anything to save these kids pretty much. And then Haysbert's looking on like, huh, maybe these people aren't so bad after all. But yep. Axe looks to give Zoe her own tiny axe. And Child Practice yep. Services lady is like, no. And then he just growls very good. Okay, she can hold it for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And he hands over the bunny. We get another I love you scene. It's really sweet. This is like, you know, essentially the... Uh, it feels like goodbye. Like, it feels like the goodbye scene. Um, and then we get a really pivotal moment where, you know, Richard walks into Carson's office. And he's like... You know, the people you care about, they aren't distractions. They're things that keep you going. And he shows he shows Jake a picture of his own family. And he basically says, after seeing what you did, there's no doubt in my mind, you're the guy for the job. If you want it. If you want it. And, like, Mark is giving Bryn an art kit. And, like, so Soup goes outside. And he basically tells Celebrator Services that he wants to adopt these kids. And he bring them back to his house. Which everybody goes, you have an actual house? Like all of including his including yep. his coworkers, Every, all his coworkers, like what? And then jump cut. Will gets to do his fulfill his dreams and go down a fire pole because of course Soup's house has an actual fire pole in it, and it's everybody's informal wear because it's the wedding day for um, Doctor and Mister uh, Fun, as they're going to call them, Doctor and Mister mm-hmm. Fun. Uh, although it, she, she, when she, Soup asks, "You ready to be Miss, Mrs. Fun?" And she goes, that's Dr. Fun, mister. So it's wedding day. And Will yells, oh, no, no. I think it's Soup that yells, Alexa, play BTS. Because he's finally finally evolved to modern era. Um, Yeah. And they're all dancing. And and they play, I don't, I'm not familiar with BTS's discography, but there's some, they're playing some kind of fire theme song. It's a song about. It's really sweet. They're all dancing. Yeah. It's very wholesome and on brand for the movie. And. Because they finally found a song that fits Soup about fire. And got a bleeper roll. Nothing particularly great about the bleeper roll, so I think we're almost able to... Skip over that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a good, again, good feel-good ending. We see the uh, there's that really funny... The last thing you see is that car window sticker that people use to show their families. And you see all of the characters represented on that. It's it's really good stuff. Including Axe. This is Axe. Yep. And um, there you go. We have hit... The end of Playing With Fire, which concludes what I have to call the sort of middle act of John Cena's acting career. Because you have the WWE Studios run, 
And then you have the run of Ferdinand, Bumblebee, Blockers, and Playing with Fire, which is sort of like what you call the signs, of, the uh, signs of promise era. Yes, like this Bre- is where breaking out of the WWE formula, getting to do some fun, chill kid stuff, getting to do some fun raunchy comedy. Good era. Where do you rank this on the scale? And I'm going to give you some context here, Mike. Um, Twelve rounds got us three knuckles. So did Scooby Doo WrestleMania mystery. Flintstones got Ooh. a two. Ferdinand got a 3.5. Is playing okay. with fire better than Ferdinand? I don't think this movie's better than Ferdinand, but I w- yeah, I'm very torn between a 3 and a 3.5 for this film. I think it's it's very wholesome, very fun. Uh it doesn't really overstay its welcome. Pretty short movie, which I appreciate. I think I I think it I think it definitely is a solid family-friendly comedy. Again, I was we were talking about the soft line. I think it, the reason it didn't hit for me in the second viewing is we're just coming off blockers, which was constant laughs from start to finish. Whereas this movie, obviously, it's more kid friendly, but still, like, it didn't. Uh, it, there were only a few moments where I was really like laughing out loud, and 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 I thought were really great. But uh, yeah, I had a good time. It, to me, it's a solid three, three point five, somewhere in that range. Yeah, um, I, I'm looking at the other movies. I'm like. It knows what it is, and it's trying to be what it is, just like 12 Rounds. Like, mm-hmm. it is that, and that's sort of why I think I lean towards the three. Because I think mm-hmm. Ferdinand was so, it had the feels constantly and throughout, and it didn't really drag at all. Like, it I, had, and yeah, for, exactly, Ferdinand, obviously, yeah, different type of but movie like was the, anime, but still. The story of Ferdinand was a little bit better told, it didn't have... Like, it felt like Playing With Fire was, like, its plot devices were a little bit convoluted and, like, the weird, like, lying about where the parents are sort of stuff. So I think I'm going to lean us towards the three. I, yeah, no arguments there. I definitely don't think this is on, for, I think Ferdinand was definitely a better family comedy. I was laughing more. I was. I would recommend that to more, like, if you had to choose, that's the question. If you had to choose between Ferdinand and Playing With Fire, I'd probably go Ferdinand four out of five. Many times, I guess. Um, but I wouldn't knock yeah. it down to a Marine or a um, Flintstones level. So I think it's above those two um, in terms of, yeah. like, my overall enjoyment. Um, mostly because of John Cena and a crop top. I think that's what moves it up to be a solid that, that three. Alone, that alone get, gives a lot of, gives it a good and the fupa joke. of its point. Like, yeah. Also... If you remember, Mike, this was a scarring experience for some people, at least in theaters, because the, the, <laughs> day, <laughs> the day we went to see it, I don't know if these people were in the same theater as us, but the escalator, there was a child, and we should have known this was going to be a movie about danger, because walking into the movie theater, it's that weird Battery Park theater, if you've ever been in New York City, that's next to, in the same sort of complex as the Shake Shack, and at the end of the one of the escalators, we saw, like... It, why is there a, a babysitter and two kids and they're not... There was a child whose foot was stuck in the escalator. And it was just... I, I went up to the lot, the um, ticket taker to like, somebody to go out and help this poor kid. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, this is... We should have known this was going to be a dangerous movie. Yeah, but, that kid played with fire and, and yeah, paid the price. Yep, yeah, but this is definitely um, the end of an era. Because right now, we are about to get to the three 2021 movies of the John Cena career. F9 on July 10th, uh, Suicide Squad at a date that will be determined. And then Vacation Friends, pr- 
probably end of August. Um, we'll be just getting back. We'll be fresh out of SummerSlam for that. Um, maybe we'll have a surprise SummerSlam uh, reaction episode um, with Sheree because we're all going to be in Vegas for SummerSlam. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but that was Cenophiles for uh, episode 10, Playing With Fire. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, remember, we are not just on Twitch. We are on YouTube and your favorite podcatcher app. Rate us five knuckles out of, or stars, depending on which app you're using. There must be a Cena podcast app, I bet, right? Like, there, Probably. there can't not be at this point. Um, I thought we could make one. Yeah, well, uh, maybe. Um, but thank you all for joining us today. We will... We just answered the question. You can stream them, but should you? <laughs>